Mike's Video Game Podcast. I miss you, Mike. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike's Video Game Podcast. I'm Mike Geig. And I'm Mike Wu. And this is the faux episode 23, the fake episode 23. Right. It should uh, be episode 25. but It should be. <laughs> so we had recorded uh, two uh, two episodes together in Seattle, uh, and then it ended up the audio was really bad, pretty much unusable. So, um, yeah, so we, we lost two episodes, which is why it's been so long since we've had an episode. Yeah, and this episode may have terrible audio too because I've got two Pomeranians in the room with me and uh, their sisters and they like to wrestle and growl at each other. So if you hear some weird noises in the background, that's just them. I like the fact that their sisters came into play. <laughs> like, because if they weren't related, those dogs never would associate with each other. <laughs> right. yeah. It's they, very important. Well, they like to pick on each other a lot. <laughs> so how you been, Mike? Uh, pretty good. I've been enjoying the end of summer and the... Um, Coming of fall, which around here in the Pacific Northwest, that means uh, the salmon are returning to the waters. And so I've been doing a bit of fishing and uh, the apple harvest, you know, it's Washington State has come in. So I've been making Mm -hmm. some cider. Uh, It's been good times. But uh, yeah, not too much video gaming uh, in the past uh, several weeks, but um, sounds peaceful time. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty tranquil. Yeah. Drink and what kind of cider did you say you were making? Like a ginger one or something? Yeah. So I made a an apple cider first, but it was an apple cider with a whole bunch of other stuff in it. It had like kiwi in it and it had uh, tangerines in it. Fish and, oil. And then, no, no, no fish sauce <laughs> in this one. Uh, and then I have now moved over to ginger ale. So I've been making, um, basically you um, boil a bunch of fresh ginger and you get that um, infusion out of it and then uh, add water and sugar and a bit of uh, culture and you just let it do its thing for a few days and you've got um, this nice bubbly uh, ginger ale as, as a result. So well, I've had enough. my, I have had my quota for the day. I'm not going to drink any more of it. I've switched to um, conventional uh, grocery store cider for the, for this particular podcast. Process ciders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am drinking wine, actually the cider of the grape world. Uh, <laughs> maybe people have heard of it, but uh, <laughs> right on. So, we had talked a little bit before we started recording here. This episode is going to be kind of the, we, we kind of jokingly started what we called season two after sort of a long break last time. And so this is going to be kind of our, our season two uh, ender uh, as we're about to go into a bit of a, a longer stretch. Now, I say that knowing now that the last episode we posted was July 1st. So it's already been a really long stretch, uh, but we're going to take a little bit of a step back uh, just due to holiday scheduling and madness there and and then we'll start episode or season three at some time in the future yeah it's really too bad about those lost episodes sorry people i know they were good we could you know we could always talk about just how amazing they were Mm. like anytime something comes up like oh yeah but we totally covered that already in episodes 23 and 24 and well the worst thing you missed it (laughs) we covered uh uh uh, listener questions so I'm we sure, all, yeah, it's like, <laughs> which sucks because I don't remember what they were now, <laughs> but we had really good answers. Yeah, for the so if your question questions. hasn't been answered yet, ask it again and we'll get to it because yeah. we probably covered it in that lost episode 24. Well, the one episode was, um, we basically spent the entire one talking about diversity, uh, in light of the, uh, Google sort of situation. Um, and then, and then the other one, it was all the, the, the questions and stuff. Yeah. Yes. But, yep. 
Yeah. Both are still really relevant topics. Uh, Actually, I think the diversity one becomes even more relevant in light of some of the revelations in the tech industry and in the entertainment industry since we recorded that episode. So that's true. Maybe, you know, there's a silver lining here in that we can come back to the topic and and have more material to discuss. But anyways, let's go on to um, meaty stuff, stuff that we're actually going to dive into. What do you got first, Mike? Um, so here's a topic that's kind of close to my heart because I used to work there. Um, EA recently announced that uh, they're going to close, or actually they did. They already did mm-hmm. close uh, Visceral. Um, it's a place where I worked um, over about a year and a half, a little less than a year and a half, just finishing. Ginger, be quiet. You probably heard that part. That's that's one of the sisters. Anyways, um, I worked there to help them close out the Dead Space 3 project and had a good time working with three teams there, uh, which was the local Redwood Shores team, the Montreal team, and the uh, Shanghai team all contributed to Dead Space 3 and its DLC. And mm-hmm. I was there during that time, uh, right before the transition to working on the uh, Battlefield uh, license and then switching over to Star Wars. So I was aware that they were going to be moving over to Battlefield. Um wasn't really that interested in working on another first-person shooter, having worked on uh, shooters for over a decade earlier, um, and so decided to just go on sabbatical and join my wife while she was studying medicine over on the East Coast. Um, so I saw what happened uh, during that critical period of deciding, is Visceral going to continue creating a new IP? Are they going to continue developing their own uh, existing original IP? I.e., because they were working on the uh, their the new Star Wars IP, correct? Uh, most recently, yes, yes, with uh, uh, Amy Heading as their um, creative director, uh, and that didn't pan out for a lot of mm-hmm. reasons, and you know things that aren't cool to discuss uh, on a, in a podcast forum. But yeah, a lot of the rumors that were going around um, in circles were you know, at least as opinions were, were totally true. Like if you saw it reported, mm-hmm. those definitely were things that were being said, you know, two years ago. Um, right. From my personal experience of having maintained contact with team members. So unfortunately, the um, the kind of difficulties they had transitioning from being um, an original IP uh, team to moving over to Battlefield and uh, and using a new engine and creating photo reel um less fantastic co- content and then having a new director come in with a very different style that they're not used to and then having all their um, leadership level kind of axed in order to help give Amy more uh, creative leeway but that didn't work and you know all that stuff were things mm-hmm. that I think uh, affected the team probably more well, it's so hard than to transition fact- like that right yeah. it's I mean you can be really really good in one sort of wheelhouse. And you, when presented with a, a different style of challenge, a team that's a really good team can just absolutely crumble. Um, and not because they weren't as good as everyone thought or whatever. It's just, it's it's the, like the age old, you hit a diamond just right, it'll shatter like glass. Yeah. You know, right. it's just sometimes there's just, some things just don't work out. Right. I, I mean, if you think about how that company or that studio was founded, um, it was, um, some very ambitious uh, people, uh, very aggressive. Uh, the EA culture, especially back in the, at the, that time, was uh, an aggressive uh, Silicon Valley culture. Uh, those two founders actually left and formed Sledgehammer, um, mm. just like one freeway exit north of 
EA Redwood Shores. And so, you know, there's an attrition of the team of some of that spirit and staff. And then, you, you know, you have other things going on that cause people to go to other studios. And, and so that culture, that really that culture that created um, a viable studio uh, kind of deteriorated. And unless you have um, someone coming in and, and maintaining the culture, not just creating vision, but a culture, uh, yep. then, then you end up in a very difficult place. And executives who aren't sitting in the studio space can't make that culture. And so I don't, I, I see a lot of people blaming, oh, EA killing another studio. And it's like, really, I don't see it that way. Um, if you look at the big three third party publishers of games, in my mind, full, full disclosure, I own shares in all three companies, <laughs> take two, EA and Activision Blizzard. Um, you know, so I'm, I've been, I've held these stocks for like 10 years now. So I, I'm familiar with their ups and downs. And if you look at the uh, percent growth, especially since the last console cycle, so the PS4, Xbox One back in 2014, right? So mm -hmm. like four years-ish ago. Um, if you look at the percent growth of the stocks, Take-Two is the one that's the clear winner. Mm -hmm. And how many original IP have they announced and released in that time frame? One. I do not know. One? Okay. Yeah, Battleborn, which was a flop right. last year. Right? Yeah, it wasn't... Uh, wasn't it was, right. the Battleborn had a really bad timing. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you look at um, Activision Blizzard... Um, uh, well, actually, act, well, let me look at Activision because they're more of like the third-party publisher um, mm -hmm. that's more aligned like EA and Take-Two are. So the Activision part... Um, which we're going to talk about in more length, I think, later because of a interesting article or, or uh, financial re results that were mm -hmm. announced just a few days ago. Um, if you look at Activision, they released uh, Destiny in 2014 and uh, Chivalry in 2015. And mm -hmm. that's it. It's for new IP. Uh, and, and both of these that I'm aware of, Take-Two and Blizzard have not, or I'm sorry, Activision have not announced any new IP coming out um, in the next year or two. Uh, but if you look at EA, um, they do have new IP coming out. They've got um, Anthem from Bioware, and they've got um, another smaller team making um, like a prison break game called A Way Out. Mm -hmm. So that's that's two in just one year that a major publisher is attempting to make. So if you taking if, risk, yeah, right? I think a lot of people forget how much risk a new IP uh, presents, right? right. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, lots of money. And, and not just money. I mean, just public opinion. Mm -hmm. um, new IPs are very risky in a, in a lot of different avenues. And I, I don't think uh, a lot of people take that into consideration. Right. Yeah. I think what I'm trying to, yeah, the point I'm trying to make is that EA actually takes a lot of risk. And sometimes those risks don't pan out. Uh, in the case of Visceral, it actually took a long time for it to not pan out. They gave him a lot of shots. So I give the company uh, credit uh, uh, on that front. I mean, if you think mm -hmm. about uh, how uh, Activision has been leveraging their Call of Duty money to produce basically sequels to games that they've already made before mm -hmm. versus EA taking their EA sports money and putting it into things that could flop big, um, but require hundreds of people to produce. So I give them props for trying to uh, continue to produce new IP. Um, yeah, I'm definitely, why... a... oh, go ahead. 
Oh, no, that's it. That's all I wanted to oh, say. Okay, I'm definitely of two minds on mm-hmm. the whole thing, right? I mean, on one hand, there's there's Mike, the 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 video game player, the consumer, mm-hmm. and you look at this trend of these studios who have produced games that you know are responsible for fond memories and all that, and you think, ah, oh, what a bunch of bastards! They mm-hmm. they killed another one of my heroes, sort of deal. Uh, but then there's you know there's me that works in this industry and knows a lot of the people, and you look at it, and you think, yeah, okay, so you. You know, that team, it just, it, it wasn't working. And, you know, you can, you can sit there and be like, oh, we'll do quote unquote the right thing uh, f- for too long. And, and that ends up hurting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, sometimes you, you got to do what you got to do. I think one of the really kind of to EA's sort of favor, and, you know, this is, of course, a, a PR publishing. I don't know how accurate it is, but. You know, they stated numerous times that they intend to try to place as many people from that team as they mm-hmm. can. So it's not like, you know, it's not like people showed up at the work on Monday and the doors were just locked or anything like that. You know, people, I think EA recognizes a lot of talent on those teams and they're going to try to integrate them in as best as possible. Uh, I think where a lot of people were really upset was that the announcement of it was basically just a single line item on a, mm-hmm. a press release about something completely different, right? So the press release was like, oh, the Star Wars game, we're, we're changing direction. And I have something like, you know to say about that later, but uh, we're changing direction, whatever. Oh, and by the way, Visceral is closing as a result. So and, and so we'll let you know about Star Wars. Okay, see everyone. And I think a lot of people were like, wait, what? Uh, mm-hmm. that, that sucks. That's not cool. And, um, you know, not... Right. That's yeah. A, yeah, that's a really interesting point because publishers... Um, and I'm really surprised that EA, now this is where I will crit- critique the company, mm-hmm. Electronic Arts was founded on the idea of the game developer being an artist. That like a record label, you would promote the the identity of the artists making the product. So if they're going to end one of the things that they started, because Visceral wasn't an external company that was bought by EA. It was a home-brewed studio. Mm-hmm. If you're going to close these people who, you know, according to your original corporation's founding philosophy, was, yeah. philosophy was to celebrate these people, if you're just going to ax them, um, that's really and and not really yeah like you say treat it as a blurb as a single uh, sentence um then it, it strikes people as like oh so you're really cold-hearted and you're not about the art of making games um, i.e. you're not really electronic arts you're just mm-hmm. um a, a, a money-making uh, corporation that you're not really interested in expanding the medium. That that statement, I will I'll agree with uh, anyone who critiques them on that front. It's like, yeah, that really flies in the face of the company's name and its founding philosophy of celebrating the production and creation of uh, game designs through the teams and the team members that are there. That said, I do hope that most of them land on their uh, feet. Uh, I think a lot of them are even if they choose not to stay at EA, are going to be uh, just fine because there's so much opportunity um, still out there, especially for mm-hmm. people with that degree of experience. Um, Absolutely. Um, I will now come back and defend EA one more time because having been there for just a short period of time, like I said, at that in- interesting transition period, uh, when you uh, have a team with an, uh, an IP that is profitable, um, you will allow that team to continue making that product so long as it continues to be profitable. Mm-hmm. Dead Space wasn't always like this gangbusters IP. It was really critically um, loved, at least the, the first two were, um, and the 
players who did play it really enjoyed it, but it wasn't like a five million seller, but it right. was budgeted as such. And so, um, when you are the publisher, uh, or the financial uh, end of that kind of effort, you have really three options. This most brutal one is to just end the team, right? Right. Um, and that just happened. Um, but you could also retarget the, th- the team. And mm-hmm. guess what? That did happen. Like they retargeted them to their best uh, action um IP at the time, which was Battlefield. So, like, hey, Visceral, we really want you to remain intact, but making a action horror game that appeals to you know one to two million people isn't enough for a team of your size. How about we give you the best chances for success? We'll put you on the best IP that we've got, on the best engine that we've got. So the company tried to retarget uh, them, and before that, they tried to split the development. This is the third option: split the development with less expensive partners. Hey, this is really, really costly to do, and so it's hard to pull a profit. But if you can figure out a way to work with these less expensive partners, then maybe you can continue to do what you love to do, mm-hmm. and we can continue to to um, uh, uh, fund these efforts in Dead Space uh, or new IP. Um, in fact, Visceral was trying to do new IP when I was there um, as with a smaller team uh, on the side, and none of those really came to fruition. You can read about those online. Uh, there are articles about that. Um, so EA did do the right thing. They tried to split the development amongst lower-cost uh, partners so mm-hmm. that Visceral could maintain um, creative control and exist. And when that didn't work out, they did try to retarget the team to IPs such as Battlefield or Star Wars that would uh, allow them to produce at the quality level that they wanted to, the fidelity level that they wanted to, uh, without crushing the team. Um, but in the end, neither of those worked, so they they went with the, the harshest uh, uh, route only after having tried the first two. Uh, mm-hmm. and they, the, only then did they end the team. So Yeah, um, and I, I, I think, think a lot of the... the company did the right oh, thing by the studio. I think, I'm just saying, I think the company did the right thing by the studio if it was, in fact, in such a hard situation. Sure. Yeah, I think a lot of people knee jerk reaction when maybe the the bedside manner isn't handled as well as it could. But yeah, I don't think a lot of people will take the time to really think about what it. I mean, so another kind of piece to this that was causing some flack was an internal memo that got leaked. Uh, so basically, the internal announcement that Visceral was being closed um, was worded in such a way that. You know, this is a team that was 40-some people a year or so later. It's 149. Uh, Everyone has a percentage revenue that they've got to hit. Mm -hmm. And this team wasn't looking like it was going to be solvent for some time. And so, you know, we had to, you know, we had to sort of take care of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sure. I mean, that happens, right? And on one hand, you know, it kind of puts people on edge, because everyone's just like, well, what if my team doesn't, or you know, set yeah. this or do this or whatever? Uh, and then, but on the other hand, I mean, that's the the long and short of it. You don't want you don't want the the higher ups to candy coat it or lie to you or anything like that. So there, there's 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 kind of two sides to this, and it's I think it's all about your personal outlook on the industry. Uh, really, just sort of flavors whether this was. Well, okay, EA did their best, but this was the reality of the situation versus evil EA. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that either side is particularly true. And there's always somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah, I'm sure EA could be less focused on money, but I'm also sure that 
you know, it's fairly costly PR wise and otherwise to actually disband a team. Uh, and so I don't think that's a decision taken lightly. Uh, and yeah, so it's it's kind of a it's an interesting situation. It's one of those things. It's kind of funny that you know you would have expected. I mean, if you th- if you think about it, really, five years ago, this is a conversation we could have had weekly. Mm-hmm. This studio closed. Oh, did you hear this studio closed? Yeah. Oh, that studio was closed. And now the fact that this studio was closed and it's something that everyone's just like, wait, what? That, Oh wait a minute! It that's it kind of speaks to the stability the entire industry has reached a little bit. Um, where five years ago it was just like, oh man, these studios close and open all the time, mm-hmm. and to an extent they still do. I mean, it's still fairly uh, volatile as an industry goes, but uh, you know, a lot less than it was. I think. Yeah, I mean, but interestingly enough, five years ago was the end of. Was it the fourth or fifth generation of the console cycle, um, and the anticipation of the latest uh, iteration being the PS4, Xbox One era? Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah, that's like the winter of um, of game development, where it's like, oh, in order to make it to spring and enjoy the next year, we're going to have to ramp up and be ready for the next gener- console uh, generation. But that requires. Uh, uh, staff and expertise that is really expensive to acquire. At the meantime, we've got to maintain production on the old line because that's where the money is actually being made right now because the new consoles aren't out yet. Um, mm-hmm. But it's getting long in the tooth and people are kind of stopped buying software because they've got their favorites and they're just saving their money for the new console generation. And then you got a lot of studios in between. They just don't have the, um, the war chest necessary right. to survive that. They haven't and, saved for the winter. Yeah, yeah, and now we're in this strange era where both Sony and Microsoft are saying we might be in a post-console uh, generation economy where it's just updates to the console, but not wholesale new OSs. It's almost and, consoles as a subscription, yes, right? Yeah, Instead of software right, as a uh, yeah, right, service. Right. You know, you so it will not be as jarring in the future for developers to like, oh, we to transition to the next, there'll, there'll be this kind of overlap, this buffer. It's sort of like um, to give your engine a, a plug in, um, <laughs> in Unity when you use the, uh, the animator or my... Yeah, you no, got mechan- mechanum, uh, oh, mechanum me- uses the mechanum. animator com- yeah, controller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mechan- where you can uh, ramp between one animation to the next, so you don't get this jarring pop that looks terrible. You can actually blend from one state to the next, and I think that's what's happening for developers. That the console makers are saying, "Hey, we can ramp you from this to this. It's not just going to be this hard stop." Um, Right. I mean, well, yeah. that and soft. It's it's really due to the fact that software has become a living thing, mm-hmm. right? You know versions roll out in in sequential chunks as opposed to big major releases, which allows the hardware to slow grow with it. And no version of the software is really, you know, gone, gone until it's really old. It's just sort of, you know, you're not going from software version three to software version four. You're just it's just software version, whatever, just constantly, just right. slowly mutates, right. and uh, and without, as you said, those hard edges, that jarring, whatever, everything you just sort of, instead of stop and go, stop and go, like what console releases are, big build up, big release, then mm-hmm. build up, then release, things can just sort of be an even growth pattern, mm-hmm. and that makes you know, interestingly enough, that. 
that makes it a lot easier for the money, right? The investors and stuff like that. But when it's better for the investors, it's better for everybody because that just means more money to do all sorts of whatever else. Um, I think we're seeing that tumultuous console period that of the past happening again before our very eyes in the in the world of AR and VR, mm-hmm. uh, just as regular consoles are settling and becoming this sort of constant grow right. thing. Right. One one is maturing and becoming this thing that we can rely on, and the mm-hmm. other one is, is just doing, yeah, the upward spurts and, and halts and uh, quick leaps, um, and it'd be unpredictable. So it's an interesting time for sure, because uh, it means we have this bedrock as game developers to uh, develop in if we want to, or this wild, wild west if we want to. Um, maybe not simultaneously, depending on your studio's um, uh, resources, but you can certainly choose uh, uh, two very different styles of work um, right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And it's good. It gives people who want to be pioneers, it gives them an outlet. Mm-hmm. But people that want to focus more on the, I, don't know, I hate to say the business side of things, but on a more steady, reliable uh, industry, you know, uh, there there are becoming options for that as well, yeah. which in the video game market, there just really hasn't been in the past. So it's, it's kind of yeah. neat. Yeah. In this uh, software as a service or living software world, does it feel weird to you to buy physical media for your games, knowing that you're just going to have to update it immediately or um, that it's going to be constantly updated digitally, um, you know, via online, online downloading versus like what you got on your disc, that your disc is actually already dated the second you get it. Like, does that bother you? Do you still buy your games, um, you know, retail wise or I have gotten two games, Mm -hmm. uh, on disc, I think since we've met and you gave me both of them. (laughs) Uh, That's right. That's when, how much of a dinosaur I am. I think it's cool to give somebody well, an the autographed one, disc. The one was signed, though. The <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Battlefield uh, uh, right. Hardline was mm-hmm. uh, was signed, uh, mm-hmm. which was awesome. Uh, but um, no, so when – you'll recall when Xbox One was sort of pre-announcement and everyone was like, what's it going to be? Mm-hmm. And then, then it was announced at E3 and – Everyone threw an absolute shit fit because there was a, uh, I mean, the messaging was bad, um, and they were just going to do, all of it was download, right? Mm-hmm. And people freaked out. Well, what about us who don't have good internet, or what about mm-hmm. people who don't want to rely on that? I, I want to have my disc, and it, won't anyone think of GameStop, poor GameStop? How will they ever survive <laughs> uh, in that world and whatever? Um, I was the guy thing saying, you're all completely insane. Yeah. Let GameStop die, and let's go fully digital, so I don't have to wor- worry about having a scratch disc again. Yeah. Yep. Uh, hard media is is dumb and if you can send me data invisibly through space and time so i just have it why would i go someplace and buy a piece of decayed dinosaur with some laser laser words on it you know i don't want any of that uh and so no i'm all i'm all embracing the uh the 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 digital the, the digital life um you know yeah i can't I can't trade my games in, but I don't care. But see that uh, I was just going to yeah. mention, sorry to interrupt. Sure. We've got to talk about that. That was the part that killed me when it got killed, which was that uh, when Microsoft was talking about going this online uh, route, 
they had figured out or were trying to figure out a way for us to do to, that. To trade them in, yeah. yeah. Because it's just a license. It's just a flag on an account. Yeah, right. There's no reason I can't relinquish mine and yeah. someone else can can acquire those rights. We could be living in a world right now where when you buy your games digitally, you know you can resell them or give them away down the line. Like you might say like, you know, to one of your kids, I've got this awesome collection of classics from the uh, the teens, uh, I want to give them to you, and you could do it, <laughs> but well, you can't and they had announced, because because they had announced sort of a video, a family thing where yeah. everyone who was on your four person account would have access to all of your digital right. games, like a household, yeah, and you right. shared. Yeah, and here's what's even worse: if I could buy games digitally and gift or resell them later, the licenses later, um, then more types of games could be developed. Um, you wouldn't have to recover the um, production cost of goods uh, sold. Like it's like trivial, relatively speaking, to download, to have a server that allows you to download product mm-hmm. versus like I have to have a, a disc manufactured, packaging created, shipped across the world. And, that and cuts physically into held in brick and mortar stores yeah. that have capital. Right, right. So imagine the the types of games that could have been made in that kind of economy um maybe there'd be more single player games uh you know that could have survived but now who would who would do that like i can't imagine yeah. uh, going through the cost of making um uh, a digital download game that's single player only so if the person is paying 50 to 60 dollars to download this game they they're eating the whole cost versus the old system, which is I'll buy this game for 50 to $60, depending on its PC or console, knowing that I can get 20 to 25, maybe $29 worth of credit in a week when I trade it in. Cause I've, I've already finished it. That happens mm-hmm. all the time with single player games. It's only multiplayer games where you like hang on to the media because you want to keep playing online. So we basically um, killed a way for uh, single-player games to continue a healthy market uh, by going digital. Hey, oh, actually, you know what? Was... So you're you're dragging up a whole bunch of negative emotions for me right now. Okay. Uh, as I start to remember this better and better, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that really annoyed me about because this this kicked up the whole. Um, you know, um, what was it? Um, selfish developers that are just so greedy and uh, they make so much money and, and all they want mm. is money. Uh, this whole thing that kicked up. And I remember that because it was at the same time where I was teaching. Uh, and there was that whole government thing where they're like, oh, the lazy teachers and and they're all <laughs> so rich and fat and wealthy <laughs> and, and all they want is more money. And that is very much not true. It was, yeah. it was during the whole like healthcare and, and this and that and them them teachers with their great benefits. We should I just take on, away yeah. their, we should take away their benefits so that everyone's is the same as opposed to making everyone else's better, right? <laughs> like, uh, okay. I was shocked uh, when I first started teaching. I was shocked by how, <laughs> how little um, yeah, right, teachers exactly. are paid. I mean, and, and how much it work is, it is. It is so much work. It's, Pardon me, the cider's coming up on me. No, um, it is as much work as a full-time job. And it's, if you factored in the fee you get paid per class over the amount of time it takes to produce the lectures and then grade the homework, it's it's less than um, minimum wage by far. Um, well, there makes For me, it was because I spent a lot of time developing don't, don't, slide decks. Don't go down the rabbit hole of factoring in how much the school is being paid for those students to oh, go there versus yeah. how much you made. Yeah. And you start to think, oh, I got screwed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so, yeah, the idea that 
I can understand that sort of like thinking doctors get paid really well because of how much uh, it costs to get healthcare in this country. But when in fact the doctors, it's not the doctor that's making the money. It's, it's the, the insurance companies. Yeah, the insurance companies making like a two to three to one for what the hospital's taking in. So and then but anyway, the circling back. Over. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so so that was about the time there was this whole like lazy devs and greedy mm-hmm. devs because the idea was this is. God, this bothers me so much. I'm still getting, I'm getting angry. Um, if we had done digital sales with the ability to do digital resale, mm-hmm. we can get, since there is no physical medium, there is, or media, there's no um, storefront, no brick and mortar, there's none of that overhead. Cost, percentages of that can be relegated back to the developers. Because mm-hmm. right now, if I buy a, a disc, yeah. And later, I traded it in a GameStop. Developers don't see any of that. That's nope. an entire sub-market of their IP that's going on with, with no cash inflow for them, even yeah. though it's it's their IP, it's people buying their game. But since it's that that disc, you know, then, then oh well. And this other system, you know, there was talks of anyway. I mean, not, it never came to fruition, so it's impossible to say what would have happened. Uh, but one of the big discussions was, oh, you know, uh, you know, if this is a digital platform. We have partnerships and deals with these developers. So when they're resold, developers will get a piece of that. Mm-hmm. And talk about an influx of income for years to come. Yeah. Especially, you know, one of the things we're about to talk about um, – is the idea of the single-player experiences sort of going away because the multiplayer microtransaction experiences are way more lucrative. Mm-hmm. Well, because yeah, yeah. Please continue. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, these multiplayer games with the DL or not the DLCs, but like the the the, the packs and the cosmetics or whatever, you know, it makes it's a constant inflow of money. And we just discussed, you know, companies they're more interested in an even stream of revenue as opposed to the stop go mm-hmm. bulk release bulk release. The, Single player games are sort of, you know, in danger. I hate using that term in danger. That's a bit uh, scandalous. But um, they don't make as much because there's no subsequent revenue. You play a single player game. You're not you might buy DLC and stuff, but you're not likely to do the microtransaction stuff in a single player game. And as such, there's no continuous influx of revenue and so the companies look at a single player game and go really do we want to do that to the point where most of these companies are saying we need more multiplayer games the world needs more multiplayer games because they just make so much money i mean mass effect andromeda is not releasing any more single player dlc uh no more additions of storyline because it's just not worth Mm -hmm. it right because they can make so much more money Mm -hmm. for doing this online stuff and being able to have developers receive income from secondhand sales of single player experiences would have been massive. And I'm still upset about it. Yeah. So I'd like to qualify the it's so much more lucrative. It's true. It is more lucrative, but it creates this impression, I think, in a lot of people's mind is that, oh, the greedy developer or the greedy publisher, they just want to make money hand over fist when there's perfectly good money over there. Why couldn't they? It's like, no, single player doesn't make any money. Like it's when it's selling at like one to 2 million copies um, at $60 retail, meaning the, the, publisher actually gets uh, like 28 to 30 bucks. Um, And then you look at how much it costs to produce the game. They lost money. They -hmm. were better off taking that cash and putting it in a bank CD than they were in making the game in the first place. So that's that's a situation that we're in. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's ironic. Everyone's like greedy developers. We don't want to do this. When in fact, they played right into 
I don't want to say developers are greedy. I'm saying greedy developers, but mm. I don't really mean that. I just mean, you know, they've got to keep food on the table. They got to keep the lights on. They got to keep making mm. games. And so they kind of owe it to themselves. They owe it to their stakeholders. They owe it, you know, to the community to keep producing that which is going to make money so right. they can keep producing. Yeah. And, you know, we, I mean, I, I shop at GameStops from time to time. I don't have any real problem with it, but they are a middleman. They're a game industry parasite. And, uh, I say that in the fondest of ways. I don't have any loyalty or affiliation with them in any way. They're they're a secondhand retailer, and when they lobby hard that says, "Oh no, you can't do this. It's going to kill our business." Well, then die. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is if you you can't adapt, you can't sustain, then just die. Mm-hmm. And that is just the nature of it, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, people think, well, what about the second hand? I miss going down to the video game store. Well, I'm sorry. Throw on a VR headset and load up virtual video game store and go talk yeah. to your friends that way. I don't care. Uh, I, I miss arcades. I miss showbiz pizza. So absolutely, I, mean, I get that. You, I get that. The fact of the matter is, though, I, there, yeah. there's this resurgence of arcades. And mm-hmm. I go to arcades, uh, like when I'm in San Francisco, there's a great, a great coin op one. And it's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it's neat for like the first 20 minutes or so. And then like, okay, it is what it is because arcade games are still arcade games. They haven't gotten any better. Uh, and so, yeah, arcades are neat. It's neat to be – the social elements are what's cool, yeah. not not what you think you're going there for. You think, oh, I'm going to go play all these classic games. And they start playing. You're like, okay, I'm playing classic games. I've play these a billion times. Right. And their mechanics aren't actually that good. (laughs) And I can play these for free on my phone or console. Why am I, why am I doing this now? Yeah. You know, yeah, you were exactly. And I I just think people are so afraid to let go of something they they don't actually care about if they would spend the time to really think about it. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I'm, I'm still angry about this whole thing. So (laughs) pulling up a lot of emotions here. (laughs) Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it just, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. And right. so it, it's kind of fun to see, to, to kind of circle back to why I'm pretty sure you brought this up. It's kind of fun to, to come back and see, uh, you know, that, that, okay, digital downloads are now becoming the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in-store sales uh, is becoming, um, you know, less and less of a thing. Uh, because just digital is so much more convenient. And I think when people really stop and think about it, the amount of times they actually share a disc with their friends mm-hmm. is pretty small. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe yeah. every once in a while, but but not a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, actually, the uh, article that you clued me into, and, and it's this article for people who are listening, is found on our favorite news website, which is gamesindustry, one word, dot biz. Mm-hmm. And the article is the one that's talking about Activision Blizzard's uh, financials. You and just gave away our secret website, by the way. So now well, I think we've talked no about one that needs before. to listen to this podcast right. anymore because they'll uh, just go to that site. We've, we've mentioned this po- this <laughs> website before. It's got good articles. You're right. Yes, uh, we have. Um but what we give them is the analysis of the text that they cannot get anywhere. But on we give you so much more in between the, the lines, yes. nuggets yes, of in truth. Between the lines, right? <laughs> between the raster lines of video that's games right. lies the two mics. Um, yeah, that's what we should have named our podcast: "Between the Pixels." What's be- <laughs> what's in between the pixels? Right. <laughs> Actually, that's one of the things that blew my mind coming from Game Maker Studio to Unity was that. Oh, in Game Maker, well, I guess it even if uh, existed in Game Maker Studio, but you think in terms of pixels, mm-hmm. but in Unity, you think in terms of units, and so it's possible for a unit to be in 
uh, or an object position to be between two pixels. And so it's just going to, you know, decide which pixel it should render in. Uh, uh, it was like, oh, yeah, we don't think in terms of pixels in Unity. It's uh, projection anyways, space. It's yeah, not, yeah. Uh, yeah, Screen not space render space. Order. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so another weird, bizarre <laughs> aside in the Internet's Worst podcast. Um, uh, so we're talking about the financials and we're talking about digital uh, downloads becoming really important. Uh, to the game space. Uh, I think everything that you are probably going to say about this article is uh, absolutely valid, but I do have, being a little bit of a pessimist, uh, some nuances I think I'd want to share about uh, the news. But if you wanted to like talk about what you read and what you thought about it, then I'll come in with my um, my qualifications. Yeah, no, knowing that you have nuances uh-huh. makes me feel very much dis- uh, unqualified to talk about this because oh, I don't have any okay. nuances. So, okay. <laughs> so no, nuance away. Okay. I'm still so, recovering from my rant. Okay. So he's recovering – while he's recovering from the rant, I will tell you the <laughs> stuff that uh, Mike probably probably would have pointed out. Um, so that um, at the end of um, – the fiscal year, which for a lot of companies is uh, September 30th. I believe like Microsoft does the same thing, September 30th. Um, the uh, numbers have just finally come out. And I think they were published maybe a day or two um, mm-hmm. ago or that, that they had the stockholder meeting and they talked about them at that time. Um, year over year, a very modest 3% growth. Uh, so for me, that's the first clue. Oh, there's anything that gushes has to be taken in light that compared to last year, which I don't recall anything huge and new and exciting coming out of Activision Blizzard versus a year where they had um, a pretty big game come out, Mm -hmm. they only enjoyed a modest 3% growth. So that means um, something might be wrong. And in fact, if you look at what happened to the stock, uh, it did tank by 3%. um, after this article came out. Um, so here they're at 1.62 billion in revenues. And you're thinking like, holy cow, that's a lot of money. Um, but net income was down 6% to 188 million. Now they're saying what's really interesting is that Activision this year, mm-hmm. Activision actually made more, contributed a lot more of the company's financials uh, or, or net revenue compared to Blizzard. Um, and well, remember now it's it's Activision, Blizzard, and King.com. Those are all under uh, one company now. Right. So Activision last year brought in 23% of the total revenue of Activision Blizzard, mm-hmm. which meant uh, King and Blizzard split the rest of it. I think yeah. Blizzard made the most last year. Mm-hmm. This year, King and Blizzard were tied, and Activision pulled in around 50%, I think it was like maybe 49%. Um, so 42. you're talking about going from last 42. year bringing in only yeah. 23% yeah. to this year bringing in 49 50%. Mm-hmm. And that's that's huge growth for Activision, huge revenue increase for Activision, and quite a huge equal huge drop off for Blizzard uh, and King. Right, right. And I would say like uh, King, like well, like what has King released in the last year to compete? Nothing. And then Blizzard, I think Overwatch was what? When was Overwatch released? Let me look this up. I think it was. I think it was older than last year. Maybe okay. the year before. I, okay. I mean, that's just going off memory, which is not great. Um, but uh, but again, I mean, they pull in. I don't want to say they trickle was, in. They pull in money year. through. It was May cost. of last year. Oh, okay. So May. That's, okay. That's the big switch. Overwatch for Blizzard last year. Destiny two. I'm assuming um, for Activision this year. That's where the switch comes in. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, but. It, 
so Destiny 2 is a sequel. Overwatch was a new IP. Um, so we're seeing the sequel uh, do modestly better than what the new IP did last year. Well, new IPs some. traditionally don't do yeah that well. So that has me worried. That makes me think Destiny 2 actually didn't sell that well. Um, even though they'll go on and tout like, wow, look at we're, we're doing this and doing that. But you look at the qualified language that they're using um, uh, to put it in simple terms. Let's say Destiny 1. And I don't know. I don't have any inner insider information on this. Let me be very mm -hmm. clear. I've not spoken to any of my friends at Bungie about how the game is done. I do hope that they're doing well and that the studio continues to be healthy. I'm not um, hoping uh, anything doom or gloom, but I am reading between the lines here let's assume the original destiny sold some round number like 10 million of which let's say 6 million were physical discs and 4 million were digital downloads and now the best case scenario is that they sold another 10 million for the sequel and so but now the percentages are 5 million physical 5 million digital but from reading this i'm thinking what actually happened is that if the original Destiny sold six million uh, retail and four million digital, Destiny Two sold four million physical and four million digital, making the ratio fifty fifty, but the overall sales amount lower than the well, original. Well, it's worth noting a couple factors though. So first mm -hmm. off, PC sales for Destiny Two just started happening. Yeah, uh, and so I, I don't think this is the end of of the impact for that. And there was quite a bit of a big delay between the console release of Destiny 2 and the PC release of Destiny 2. That's true. Uh, so there's and a lot if, to if factor there are a in lot there. Of people, if a lot of people decided that they were willing to forego um, the experience of being in the game when everybody else was buying it and playing it uh, in order to have it you know, play on their 4K resolution monitors, um, then yes, you could see a lot. But having seen the sales numbers of, say, like Halo PC versus Halo, the console game, it's a drop in the bucket. It's the reason why it didn't come out for PC originally, because it's mm -hmm. like, it's not worth the revenue spend to make so little money. Um, and now they're doing it just because there seems to be so much demand, the reputation of the companies on the line will do it. Um, and we'll, we'll, especially since PCs and the next gen consoles, I mean, or the current gen consoles, which is the Xbox One and the PS4, are a lot more close to each other in tech spec than back in the day when they had to support the Xbox 360 and the PS3. Um, That's true. That's true. Now, so, one other thing that factors into this that I don't think a lot of people consider is mm -hmm. if we step back to last year and we talk about Overwatch, and Overwatch being this big uh, drop in the bucket for Blizzard and mm -hmm. being an original IP, mm -hmm. uh, so it, it theoretically wouldn't do as good, but it still did really good. One of the things that a lot of people don't really consider is the fact that it wasn't just Overwatch coming out. It was Overwatch coming out, which allows them to sell Overwatch swag in Heroes of the Storm mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. have bonus parts of Hearthstone and World of Warcraft and have mm -hmm. those things inside Overwatch. And even if there's no like direct uh, merch comparison, my renewed interest in I'm, I've downloaded Overwatch, I have Battle.net, and I'm like, oh, man, I yep. forgot about Heroes of the Storm. Yep. I'm going to start playing that again or I'm going to start yep. playing World of Warcraft. So it, it's not just, you know, one new IP versus one sequel. Mm -hmm. It's one sequel versus an, a, a, a dynasty ecosystem right. that, but, that Blizzard yeah. has. Yes, yeah. and you bring up a very interesting point. That's very true. And uh, you probably have no memory of, of me giving this uh, talk, except for the fact that I said the boneheaded thing 
since the beginning of time, the eighties. But yeah, if you remember, I remember, if you remember that, if you remember I remember that. that talk that he gave about the, the future of the games industry. My projection was that we were going to follow the um, premium television industry and in that we're going to have channels where, um, where we're not going to um, uh, game review sites to learn about new games. We're just going to go straight to our favorite channels, i.e. battle.net or the new, what do they call the new service? Um, I forget. It's not, it's not whatever, it's blizzard.com or whatever it is yeah. that they are now. That's the only place you can get... Um, destiny to pc right exactly yeah it's, it's, it's doing exactly what you're saying i can now pull in from the vast player base of all blizzard titles and bring their attention to Give this other first hand marketing yeah and that's where i'm going to learn about this this game that i haven't played before because i'm a dedicated pc player i've never played console games what i've heard about destiny was the first one any good um and now they see it like oh it's there and it's on sale or um them being offered uh, if i play my favorite game i'll get an unlock in this new game well maybe i'll Mm -hmm. give that new game a a try because i get this interesting unlock exactly Um, and so you're building your own ecosystem right and that that's very interesting and we'll see uh how well it works uh for blizzard to take in another developer's uh game and and how much of a virtual cycle they can produce there but anyways i remember us discussing skylanders back then in that capacity of they need to branch out their ips Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, and maybe that's what they're going to do next. And, um, uh, but my bottom line was in discussing the digital download uh, numbers is that I will caveat how good they look right now because I think the actual sales amount for the product that they're talking about isn't as high as we might imagine. Um, that maybe if if the overall sales number goes down and it's really the physical sales that took a hit then yes the percentage of digital will look bigger but what we really want to know is like how big is the overall pie that we're discussing here is it as big or bigger than the original um release back in 2014 or is it smaller i think if it was as big or bigger they would have said so directly but they don't say that at all in their announcement mm-hmm. so that leads me to believe especially with the modest growth over last year that this sequel um that they're touting as having great digital numbers is actually only the result of having smaller um overall sales numbers so let's not be like all gung-ho about digital is taking over i mean yes it is taking over but maybe not as aggressively as these this um these financial results would suggest not as aggressively as uh, as i'd like yeah and for anyone who gets uh sidetracked by the big numbers an easy way to remember to kind of keep that expectation lower because people think mm. see like 1.6 billion yeah. and they're just like oh my god that's but just remember that you know on average after benefits you know, uh, an employee costs around one hundred twenty to one hundred thirty thousand, depending on their role and, and whatever, mm-hmm. um, and depending where in the world they live and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, that's being even saying one hundred thousand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, ten employees is a million dollars a year to maintain mm-hmm. ten employees. Yep. And yep. you start figuring about the sizes of some of these companies, and you think, oh, one point six billion is not a lot yeah, of money right. especially when you think about activision was a company that was founded uh during the atari era where the engineers at atari itself realized hey i work my ass off for six weeks and then i produce six million in sales over the course of three weeks 
and we sell each of those games for $28 a piece. This is $1980, mm-hmm. which is the equivalent of like $97 today. So one person, six weeks, and selling same vo- sales volume as we sell yeah, a hit would today, $6 million, at a dollar amount for the 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 original release of 96 bucks. Mm-hmm. That's what made people want to invest in video games in the first place. And now we live in an era where it takes 700 people three years to produce mm-hmm. a game to sell at $60. The gold rush is over. For That's sure. why you're seeing all these pressures and things like studios have to close and single player content isn't viable anymore. It's because consumer spending does not keep up with what we were willing to spend back in the day. Of course, back then, cartridges were a lot, so your cost of goods sold was a lot higher of the percentage. Mm-hmm. But still, we're not selling games the initial. I mean, people complain, oh, I had to buy the uh, pre-buy the DLC pack. It's like, yeah, your total spend was about, what, 96 bucks? Guess what? That's just to get us back to where we were in the original in the old days when it just took one person to make a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, And consider think, how much more time a lot of these games than other media. Holy cow! When it's software as a service, yeah, yeah, it's like the constant monitoring of player behavior and bug fixing and updating, maintaining the servers and all that stuff it never ends. Versus like, yeah, we burned those chips, put them on um, a breadboard, put a pe- it couple pieces of pl- yeah, yeah there. Now find it in a garage sale. Thirty years later, that's it. That's all that we've never supported it post sale. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think we as consumers have to remember uh, that if they really wanted to, like game producers could have said like, no, we have to keep making the money that we used to make or we're not doing it at all. Right. No, instead, the game makers have constantly said, well, we'll do what we do in order to survive because we love making games, even we're if it trying. doesn't make as much money as if we had made um, iPhones instead or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say like if you want to make money, you know, go write bank software. Yeah, you know, like uh, <laughs> this is not really the place for that sort of. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, but but that's not the norm for yeah. sure. Uh, but it's it's an interesting perspective for certain, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad to see digital becoming more prevalent. I just it's just so convenient. I just like it. It's I don't know and. One of the things, and I think Steam has had this effect on me, really, where it's just like, I don't have to remember what games I have. I don't need to find them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to go, oh, which of my friends did I lend that game to? I haven't yeah. seen that game in a year. I just kind of want to play it now. Yeah. I lent it to someone. Oh, God. Yeah. Right? I, could just, I just have a list. And if yeah. I want to free up space, I just uninstall this game. I don't have to worry about losing my saves. Those mm-hmm. are on the cloud. Yeah. So it's just like, I'll free up some space. I'll download or uninstall this game and download that one. And then later, I just uninstall that one, re-download this one. And my saves are still there. I'm still just playing. And just like, you know what? I hit the download now button. I went and made a sandwich. And I came back and I'm ready to play. I mean, yeah. it's not... I mean, everyone's diff- with different internets, different, you know, and whatever. But it's not that big of a deal and if i'm trading off the ability to share games in order to get all that convenience well i'm gonna go with the convenience Mm -hmm. actually you bring up a really good point like companies like amazon have gone from being like an online bookseller to like a global juggernaut based off that very concept of can we make this more convenient for the end user and like all the things that you just described are things that like gaming is more convenient when i can do this instead of digging out a disc i mean just the it takes longer to start the game 
when you have a physical right. disc that you have to put in the drive to prove that you own it. We have to get up it. and <laughs> go get it. Like, right. what is that about? You have to swap the discs and stuff like that. That alone, eh, I'll, I'll go digital. For me, the the um, uh, phenomenon that made me uh, go digital was starting to spend more and more of my time on a mobile device and playing mm-hmm. more and more of my games mobily. It's like, yeah, there Makes is- Makes you comfortable drug. with the concept. Yeah, I got very comfortable with the concept. And I love like, oh, I upgraded my phone or I can uh, download the exact same product without paying a second time on my tablet as and on my phone. So I can now game in different ways, uh, more times um, in different ways. It's just- it became a no-brainer. That's that's the way I buy games um, uh, on my mobile platform, and so why wouldn't I want to continue that behavior uh, on my PC and on my console? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, the big one is the oh, I just got a new piece of hardware. Oh, but I don't have to install all this junk with discs. I can just go to the app store and say like, yes, 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 and off well, I, it, it off just I go. it remembers as soon as yeah. you log in, mm-hmm. it just puts all your stuff on there for yeah. you. Yeah. It yeah, it's the future is now. Yeah, and it's the all future. about whichever technology makes it easier for us to play is the one that's going to win and digital makes it easier to play for most of us. Um only in the case of uh, I don't have a network connection does physical um beat it out, but that's becoming so rare in um in our everyday experience. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, that podcast, is true for some people, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, and not, yeah, not for anyone listening to the podcast, Jen, so yeah. you have an internet connection. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, not to mention that most games anyways are going to this always on, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. so many games now, there is no offline option, even for single player experiences. So the fact that you might be like, oh no, I can't download this game. I need to go buy it because my internet's bad. And then you get home and turn it on and like, oh, I can't play it because uh-huh. my internet is bad, even though yeah. it's single player experience. Yeah. Uh, that's becoming a real thing and, and a problem for a lot of people, I'm sure. But um, yeah, these are it's just sort of the way these things are trending. Indeed. Did we have another topic uh, besides digital downloads? Uh, I don't recall, but I, I do know that we are just about out of time. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. So, if maybe we should just kind of wrap up our thoughts on what we discussed today. Um, we talked about why studios like Visceral have to unfortunately close. Um, are big publishing publishers uh, who control studios really that evil when they do that, or, or do they try different remedies and what might cause things to close? And like, and actually, the single player thing that we were discussing is related to that story too. And that people wanted to blame the the messaging um, for saying, "Oh, because it was a single player focused game, they didn't want to do it anymore." It's like, no, it's because the team was struggling and in order for us them to write the ship they'd have to spend so much more money that a single player only game couldn't possibly be profitable enough to make it a worthwhile investment and so that's why they had to refocus the development of the product um and in fact uh, cut the spending on it by giving it to a less expensive studio um and right. then we talked about um well here let me tell you what uh, instead of recapping that why uh-huh. don't we recap season two? Oh, okay yeah Do you let remember? me uh let me go through and just read you some of the the, uh, the, the title topics okay uh of of season two here and, and we'll see i'll get your thoughts sure. so i i believe we started what we what we jokingly called season two uh with episode 11 
which was January 15th, 2016, uh, which was uh, the announcement of the Oculus Rift price. Oh. Which was higher than mm-hmm. everyone had remembered mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. was expecting. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Steam sales and we talked something about Sony. I don't quite remember what, but uh, something about Sony. Okay. Uh, and then we had episode 12 where we talked about Global Game Jam. This was uh, after Global Game Jam there. Uh, we talked about the show Firefly and we <laughs> talked about the game Witness. I don't know if you've played that. Um, fantastic puzzle game for anyone who hasn't. That was in February there. And then we had episode with uh, episode 13. That was back when pretty much every episode was about uh, virtual reality. Uh, and so this one was titled More VR. Uh-huh. Uh, we also talked about uh, violence in video games and VR violence. Oh, right. Uh, and about... Uh, VR pornographic materials and how they register and how they can potentially affect people's sort of expectations of the world. Uh, and we talked about the game Firewatch, which I don't know if you ever ended up playing. Also a fantastic mm-hmm. game, uh, which was really good. We had episode 14 where we talked about GDC and the GDC parties. This was be GDC 2016. Okay. Uh, how you establish a network. We had talked about, uh, okay. remember, the networks, right. uh, how you have to be valuable to your network and not just rely on them to provide you with all that stuff. So which episode was that one again, the one about the that network? That was 14. 14. Episode 14, that's, April. That's for any grad, recent graduate or student. I think that's a good episode for them to revisit If because I recently had some former students ping me and ask me for advice, but if they're listening, episode 14, go listen to it. Yeah, as I, I've clicked on... Uh, I clicked on it here, and these were the. Uh, so I'm not very good at listing topics. Uh-huh. So the the actual topics listed for this was odd cider. No idea what that means. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, swear, I brought you uh, a weird cider. I think that's right. <laughs> I, I swear a little, so cover your ears. Uh, GDC parties, debroifying the game industry, mm. establishing a network, and then video game med kits are bullshit. Uh, <laughs> and so I don't remember what video game med kits were. Mm. Uh, oh, in video games, med kits, like, because yeah. you just get yeah, this yeah. med kit and you just immediately yeah. be healed or whatever, I believe was what the context was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then episode 15 uh, was May, and if didn't, it doesn't feel like it was this long ago, May of 2016, right? We talked mm-hmm. about, that was the episode where we talked a lot about crunch, oh, right? Industry right. crunch. Mm-hmm. There was the whole, like, there's going to be crunch, you might as well get used to it kind of thing. And recently there was a big article, was it the New York Times? It's all cyclical. Yeah. That was just about that. Um, yeah, so that's another relevant one to revisit. See if our then we, thoughts yeah. Were, yeah, we talked about negative feelings in the game industry, uh, which mm-hmm. was around the idea of the crunch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we we discussed the potential of the Nintendo NX, oh, which we now know is the Switch. <laughs> yeah, we talked about the 4K Same. PS4. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about Blade Runner, but not as in the movie reboot, but we just talked about Blade Runner. Oh, okay. So, yeah, there you go. And we, we are so, is it prescient, the word I'm yeah. looking for? Yeah. We, we're great at prognostication. <laughs> yeah. That's a great fun word for you to throw out there, <laughs> prognostication. Uh, and then we had episode 16. Episode 16 was the big, this was August 1st, 2016, the big Pokemon Go episode. Oh, right. (laughs) Right? Yep. Uh, I'm having flashbacks to just how much, my wife still plays it on occasion. 
Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, yeah. I still fire it up, yeah. and then it does the downloads, and by the yeah. time it's finished downloading, then I don't want to play it anymore. <laughs> but, uh, Poor Pokemon Yeah, go. I mean, it's a fun game, and yeah. I think all of our the, the American park system will yeah. will long will take a long time to recover from all the damage <laughs> done to the parks during uh, the, we'll call it the Pokemon Go outbreak uh-huh. of 2016. But uh, so we talked about Pokemon Go, uh, the cynical media and how they were uh, kind of bashing on Pokemon Go because uh-huh. of how sort of everyone was super into it. Um, when we talked, uh, we just did some catching up. So mostly it was Pokemon Go that episode. Then episode 17 was October 7, 2016. We talked about JRPGs. <laughs> All right, so we My talked about genre, right? your right. least favorite, which keeps coming up because <laughs> yeah. uh, we had this conversation recently as well. That's right. So it's very cyclical. Uh, we talked about mobile games and their dastardly tricks. Mm-hmm. I think we're talking about uh, things like um, dopamine addictions uh, and how games become quote unquote addicting by their mm-hmm. little flashing lights and chimey sounds and whatever. Uh, and a few other items. We talked about time as a mechanic. I don't know if you remember that, but you you were the one who brought that up, using time as a mechanic in games. Oh, right. Uh-huh. That's a yeah. good one. I like yeah. our design-centric uh, episodes, actually. Maybe we should do more yeah, of those. We, do, we should do more of those. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the singularity, I guess. I don't know what I meant by that, but that's what I wrote. Uh, so we discussed this. Oh, yeah, when humans and machines merge. <laughs> I believe the singularity is coming, and I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. Another, we, another reference to uh, Blade Runner. The, the yes. new one. Is, yeah, oh, I see. I haven't seen the new one. Oh, I, I don't okay. recall the old one having much to do with the singularity. I knew there were the replicants and whatever, right, right. but they well, weren't. No, yeah. If you, well, it's leaving theaters because Thor is out now and, and it, it didn't make a lot of money, unfortunately. So, Blade, your chances to see it in a theater are dwindling. But I think you would enjoy it. It's a beautiful film. It is long, but it's. Um, I don't you, watch stuff in the theaters. I get the digital download. Okay. All right. <laughs> You'll watch it then. I'm all It'll, digital. Yeah. Uh, Yes, uh, you know, actually, so I was I was with some some colleagues of mine, and we were planning on on rewatching the original Blade Runner, uh, so the, and then all go out and see the new Blade Runner, and so when we sat down, I began to queue up the original Blade Runner, and I decided to pull an Audible and instead put on the live action uh, Assassination Classroom movie, uh, oh, and it's funny about fifteen minutes in, everyone's just like, "This isn't Blade Runner." <laughs> you know what my wife said when I took her to Blade Runner? She says, uh, "Is this the one where Wesley Snipes kills all the vampires?" I'm like, "Yes." What? Are you? killing you're well kidding, he did a lot of running me. afterwards yeah. and so i could see why she didn't like, think that no it's harrison ford and it's replicants it's no no they're kind of vampires <laughs> yeah. taking all our tax money and whatnot that's uh, just blade <laughs> it's not blade runner <laughs> that's awesome your wife's awesome uh episode 18 was our first 2017 episode uh-huh. uh this february 3rd 2017 we talk about uh, VRality Day at Microsoft, the VR Reality Day. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We talk about Vision Summit in Beijing, which I went to, which was super duper awesome. Uh, we talked about, uh, oh, remember the Zenimax versus Oculus Court decision? Oh, right. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting stuff there, which it was all everyone was like, well, what does this mean? What's this going to mean? And it ended up not really meaning yeah. much of anything. Um, like, so we should, what we should really take away from this is most of the stuff that we talk about is going to end up meaning not a whole lot of anything. Because <laughs> right. um, that's what, we're just, this, like a, uh, we're just like, uh, oh, to use a Blade Runner reference, we're just um, uh, like a, like a, a tear in rain. We're yeah. just, we're just it, lost. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, we're like, oh, Pokemon Go is going to change. No, it didn't. Oh, this this court is going to change. No, nope, didn't. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, we talk about um, uh, game mechanics that suck. So that's... Uh, uh, <laughs> where's our pirates? Where's our pirates episode? That was my favorite one. Of no, this that's season. coming up. That's coming up. Okay. So here, I don't. I, I got to go back and re-listen to episode eighteen because my last note uh-huh. uh, on episode eighteen is one mic is racist and the other mic is Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. oh no! So I have no idea what I we know were which talking one I about. Am. I don't know which one you are. <laughs> well, I think I think you had some something that. If you weren't Chinese, could have been construed as racist, as we were talking <laughs> right, about China. Right, right. And uh, I think that's been I why have, I wrote I that. Have the protection, yes. I, <laughs> I have exactly. The You're minority warded. Teflon, yes. And you are completely vulnerable. I, I As always. As <laughs> a, I mean, I, I can't complain being a, a straight white male in America, but at the same time, <laughs> certain things, not right. so much. Um, yeah, so I'll have to go back and re-listen to that one. Uh, so episode 19 was... Um, we talked about uh, Steam Green Light and how that oh, was right. changing. It's changed. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this was now February 21st. So we did yeah. two February episodes. Mm. Um, I believe on one was recorded over the holiday break and then okay. just put on for, for February there. Uh, so we talked about um, how much time do you spend gaming and what does that cost you? The opportunity cost mm-hmm. of the gaming hobby. Uh we talked about, oh, yes, how to make a peanut butter sandwich and how to steal technology. Because <laughs> you had asked me about right. reverse engineering. Yeah. And how, you know, two people can make a sandwich in completely different ways. It's when yeah. they make them the same way that the tech yeah. is stolen. Yeah. Um, we talked about the Magic Leap lawsuit. Uh, you recall the sexual harassment lawsuit oh, or no, the, right. the sexual, sexually hostile work environment yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, suit from Magic Leap. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I had forgotten about that one. Well, we actually ended up talking about things like workplace diversity and uh, work at, uh, or ethics and morality. And I guess maybe it's not morals, it's just mm-hmm. a, adult behavior, appropriate adult behavior oh, yeah, in exactly. the workplace. Like a, a few times this season. It's um, I think it's, it's come up a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it's come up again just recently. Um, Then episode 20, Mm -hmm. uh, March 26, is your Pirates episode. Yes. Uh, Switch Pirates and Sloops is Uh the name of the episode. Uh, This is where we talk about the Nintendo uh, Switch that had just come out Mm -hmm. uh, and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I was very much into that game Mm -hmm. at that time. Uh, I have an image posted here from the game Pirates uh, from the, uh, let's see here. I have recently had news of your long-lost sister, the governor says. <laughs> the evil Spaniard, Admiral Gonzalez, knows your sister's whereabouts. And he's a super evil-looking dude. Yep. Uh, Sid Meier's Pirates. Uh, I have a note that we want to keep on slooping. Keep on slooping in the free world. <laughs> oh, and I have a note that says Mike and Mike have completely different play styles uh, because of the way we play Pirates and how <laughs> I just I just ransack and fight and whatever and you play the game. <laughs> <laughs> we could probably play Grand Theft Auto and f- come to the same conclusion. These are very similar games, in my opinion. But anyway, yeah, right. So many ways to yeah. do something, right? No wrong way to eat a Reese's and whatnot. Uh, then we had episode twenty-one, mm-hmm. uh, where we talked about vacation uh, mentors. Oh, this was the episode where we talked about criticism. So we did talk about criticism. Okay. So I don't know what we talked about in episode 24. I have no okay. recollection. Uh, so episode 21, um, 
I have a note that Mike still doesn't know what episode it is. <laughs> uh, we talked about vacationing, uh, which I think was a long break. This was May 18th. Mm-hmm. Um, then how do we find mentors uh, and are they related to Mentos? Um, and, <laughs> so uh, this would be another good uh, episode. 21 would be a good episode for uh students in recent grads yes. to listen to. And this okay. is where we kind of continue the networking talk to say, okay, okay how do you become part of a network? Right. Mm-hmm. How do you build that those initial contacts? Okay. And and what do you owe those contacts mm-hmm. um, as you progress in the industry? Yeah. Um, and then um, we talked about, oh, yeah, how sausage is made. Is it good to know how sausage is made? <laughs> uh, and we talk about how we handle criticism. All right, which no one would ever critique us, but, you know, for, for everyone else, how they handle criticism. Uh, so episode 22 is was July 1st, uh, where we talk about E3. Uh, we talk about Little Johnny, everyone, because you kept talking about Little Johnny. Anytime <laughs> something bad was happening, someone was happening to Little Johnny. <laughs> was it Johnny uh, or Jimmy? I tend to use it was Little, Little Johnny. Johnny. Oh, Little Johnny? Uh, well, I okay. think so, anyway. Um, you, uh, talk, uh, we talked about the Xbox One X. Uh-huh. Which, if you take the initials of it, spells Xbox, which is amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, the history of E3. How is the? Oh, we talked about the Dev Biz relationship, where if something is free, that means you are the product, mm-hmm. uh, right? About how you can leverage and monetize your audience, right? Um, so that you can offer free services but still actually make a profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the Cronut Age of Gaming. I believe that was your term, uh, where. You know, we're not the donut. We're not the croissant. We're the mm-hmm. cronuts now. Everything's yeah. getting merged and and sorted and, and sort of uh, homogenized. Uh, we talk about why little Johnny is so sad uh, and Destiny 2, Read the Darkness. Uh, oh, we talked about Super Lucky's Tale. I remember that. So I have a little interesting anecdote. Uh, okay. We're over time now at this point, but I figure I'll, I'll just say this real quick. So we had to talk about what does it mean because Lucky's Tale was a VR game. Super Lucky's Tale was not. And we're like, what does that say about VR? What does that mm-hmm. say about like the this process? And that's another thing that just came up recently. There's another studio got out of VR. What? Uh, that's a death toll of VR. And, right, right. and that's not the case. So I ran into uh, the devs from Super Lucky's Tale. They were at Unite. And I had a good conversation. We joked about the fact that I, I was like, oh, we talked about you in my podcast and we talked about we and I said we speculated what this means. I'm like, well, what did you come up with? Um, and so we had a really good conversation with them and they're saying, oh, no, I mean, it eventually it'll probably be on VR or whatever. They said we came up with uh, what was a very compelling IP that happened to be for VR. And we decided we wanted more people to be able to experience it. The IP was awesome. Mm-hmm. And so we we put it out on a platform where more people could see it. So it wasn't really the VR was bad. This was the death of VR. VR is impossible to work with. They just happened to come up with something that was just like, oh, this is really awesome. We really want as many people as possible right. to see this. And so, you know, so there wasn't all doom and gloom like some some people would expect. Um, cool. And that was the last episode. So this episode is 23. Right. right. At least as far as our listeners know, that was the last well, episode. Well, sure. We can, we'll always refer to that, yeah. the other perfect episodes, 23 uh, and 24. I mean, they were so fun, people. I mean, they were recorded the- live together in my condo. You described my condo. You received gifts that... Uh, that oh, you yes. accepted like an Ark of the Covenant and we... The ones that I'm not allowed to talk about either. Yes, yes. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I still have them displayed proudly in my basement. What? You're not supposed to display those things. They're Ark of the Covenant. Have, you hide them. I have a cloth over them so no okay, one will know. Okay, okay, okay. I built a little sarcophagus for them. <laughs> great, uh, great. <laughs> you just... Top men are 
taking care of these things. Top, okay. Who, who? No, top men. Just leave it at that. Top, <laughs> top people. We're not going to make this male no, bias. Right. Top people right. are on it. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that was a good season, too. Yes, a, a good time. I'm glad we continue to do it once I moved. Um, yes. And I'm looking forward to doing this again once we're done with the holiday break. I hope people... Uh, hung in with us and they're going to come back and listen to this much delayed episode and um, send us questions about what they want to hear us rant about or talk about in depth uh, or superficially as we tend to do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. All right. Well, that was a great, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Uh, that was episode 23, the end of season two of Mike's video game podcast. You can check us out at Mike's video game podcast.com or uh, at Mike's VGP on Twitter. I, I remember this time. Uh, <laughs> I am Mike Geig. And I am Mike Wu. And keep on slooping in the new world. <laughs> you can't recycle stuff like that. <laughs> well, actually, I, I just did. I know we recycled the last 10 minutes of this podcast was just no one's still listening it's like you know it's like one of those old sitcoms where they just do like do you remember when and then they just cut back to old clips um, <laughs> all right so that's how we need to end tonight with just the statement hey do you remember the when and that's the end of it